Welcome to Psyche Magic, a podcast about waking up to the subconscious via our nocturnal dreams. I'm your host, Jordan Hale. I'm a psychotherapist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Together, we'll learn to befriend the unknown and her deep well of wisdom. While aspects of this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is never meant to take the place of therapy. Welcome back to Psyche Magic. I hope you're all feeling a lift in your spirits as we soar into one of my favorite seasons, springtime. I gave birth to the idea for this podcast around this time last year and am feeling a similar and very welcome boost of creative energy now. I can't believe I'm wrapping up season one of the podcast later this month. This will be the penultimate episode, and I can't thank you all enough for joining me on this ride. Stay tuned for an announcement about exciting plans for season two in the mid-segment break. This episode is so close to my heart because I'm going to be talking about something that has had a profound effect on my life, evidential mediumship. Most people have preconceptions about psychic mediums. Anyone else remember Miss Cleo? (laughs) Bonus points if you and your friends actually called her at a sleepover. Sadly, there is room for a lot of harm and deception in this field, not unlike the field of psychotherapy, to be honest. People whose intentions are not in the right place can really do a lot of damage. That is a fact. But... People who are sincere and who are making evidential connections to loved ones on the other side can provide some of the most profound healing experiences imaginable. The word evidential is essential here. What sets these types of mediums apart is their commitment to bringing specific and accurate evidence from their loved ones, specific and accurate evidence from the loved ones they're communicating with. Things like names, traits, dates, passing condition, defining characteristics, specific events, and special memories. They will deliver these pieces of information as facts, not as questions. Mediumship became a more prestigious form of study with the rise of the spiritualist movement in the late 19th century, and to this day, especially in the UK, there are robust and rigorous methods of study at institutions like Arthur Finley College. I did a mid-episode segment about this in episode 11 in case you're interested in learning more. In this episode, I'll be talking with evidential psychic medium, Heather Wisniewski, who I had the pleasure of meeting in a mediumship class last summer. Heather and I will talk about her dreams of deceased loved ones as early mediumistic experiences, our individual journeys towards mediumship, and our opportunities to read for each other in class. We have both practiced meditating and connecting with our spirit guides regularly, which is what paves the way to be able to hold and maintain this kind of intense energetic connection. Recently, in one of these meditations, I was surprised to connect with a former teacher who passed away shortly after I graduated college, Benjamin Franklin Griffith, otherwise known as Senior Griffith in our IB Spanish class. I thought this could be a lovely opportunity to pay tribute to him and the profound impact that he had on my life. Senior Griffith completely nailed that razor-thin balance between being one of the toughest and most rigorous teachers, but also the funniest and most authentically likable. We were all simultaneously terrified of him and absolutely smitten by him. He had a no-clicky-pens rule and you were not allowed to speak English in the classroom at all. 
He had this booming voice and this animated, expressive manner, communicating in all kinds of sounds and looks and trilling clucks of the tongue. He chose to teach us about Spanish language and culture through the lens of art history, introducing me to the likes of Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera for the first time. I would go on to minor in art history in college and work in galleries and museums on and off thereafter. He was dynamic, flamboyant, and the portrait of a lifelong learner. He never spoke of this overtly, at least not to me, but most of us intuitively understood that he must have been queer, or at the very least, an ally. And for this queer kid, and I imagine so many others, he was a beacon of hope. He was from a small town in Louisiana, but he studied French and Spanish and studied abroad extensively. I remember he called himself a citizen of the world. And how magical that sounded to me. I honestly don't remember a lot from high school. The first two years were full of relationships and dynamics that were abusive and traumatic for me. My saving grace was my decision to participate in the Amigos de las Americas Community Service Program in Oaxaca, Mexico. This drastically changed my worldview and allowed me to start to get to know myself in many ways for the first time, all by getting out of my comfort zone and meeting people from all walks of life. Little did I know until finding his obituary, Senior Griffith participated in the same program when he was in high school. His philosophy as listed in his obituary was the world as the classroom. And he guided several of my friends on their own first international voyages through summer study abroad programs. He also ran the AFS or American Field Service Exchange Student Program at our high school, which I stayed involved with after returning from Amigos. He organized student mixer events to help the exchange students get to know all of us and hosted after-school language exchange programs where we could meet up, pair up, and practice English and Spanish together. These were some of the happiest times of my life in high school and some of the richest and most exciting relationships I had ever had. He helped to foster a sense of global compassion, understanding, and equal regard for all persons in the world in our young, impressionable minds. Reading all of the kind messages from his loved ones and former students brought tears to my eyes, hearing his profound impact echo over and over. What a gift he was to us all, just by being his incredibly special self. Thank you, Senior Griffith. We love you, and we will always remember you. Now onward to the episode and my fabulous guest, Heather Visneski. Heather Visneski, welcome to Psyche Magic. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Me too, Heather. You know I'm a big fan. I'm excited to talk about your work and all the amazing things that you do and how we met. It's going to be a fun one. I'm excited. <laughs> me too. Yay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. Let's pull a card and let's just see what the universe is giving to us. I know that this is a part of your sort of self-care practice too, right? Pulling cards. Yes. And when I, with clients too, I always pull a card, one for them and one for me. I love that. And I pulled a card for myself too, even before we were together, just like, what do I need to know? That's awesome. I love that you do that with clients too, like that they get one and that you get one. Mm -hmm. It's just a nice sort of like balance. It's very, it's good sharing. Everybody, mm -hmm. <laughs> everybody gets the same amount. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. Let's see. I think I've honed in on the one. Yes. Oh, okay. Here we go. Heather the hermit. Oh, okay. 
All right. I know. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So for the listeners, the hermit is one of the major arcana cards. So this is one of the big boys. Mm -hmm. The hermit is such an iconic image. He's standing on the top of this like snow capped mountain. He's holding this beautiful lantern with a six pointed star. He's got his staff in his other hand and he's got his head just sort of bowed. This is card number nine, which is a special number for me. I don't know about you, but it's the goddess number. I love a nine. It always gives me that little tingle. Mm -hmm. So Heather, what are your sort of associations with this card? What does it bring up for you? As soon as you pulled it, I was thinking about how I feel like there's a lot going on in my life, but I do feel like I am really drawn to like more learning, more study, which is, can be a solitary pursuit. Of course. And there's definitely seasons for when I'm like needing to be in a group and learning in a group. And lately it's been more like introspective, more like just reading and think a lot of just like thinking to kind of synthesize what's coming in. And actually this week remembered that I had bought this Udemy. Is that how you say it? Oh yeah. 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 Course for meditation, like to get a certification in meditation. I was like, oh yeah, I should be doing that. And that's definitely something that's like really going inward. And so that's kind of what it brought up for me. What about you? That's really cool. I would say that if anyone is a master of meditation, it's got to be the hermit. Right. There's no distraction. I can't think of a better example for that. So that's a cool little synchronicity. Mm-hmm. You know what? The Hermit is definitely a big card for me. I am very much an introvert. And it took me a long time in my life to learn and understand that. And like to accept the fact that I need a lot of quiet time and downtime. Mm-hmm. So that's actually been a pretty like tough lesson for me to learn. And now that I finally arrived in that place, I find myself very attached to that, like almost maybe even too much where it's like, I, now I'm going a little too far the other way where it's like, well, I'm so precious about my alone time and I can't compromise too much on it. I can't miss it. And so I have to ask myself questions about that sometimes too. So, right. mm-hmm. yeah, well, I mean, it's good to protect your time and your energy. I think that I have always identified as an extrovert until the COVID pandemic. Really? I I was like, oh, actually, (laughs) I think I might be more of an ambivert. There is a season for extroversion and that was the season for introversion for me and being much more comfortable with like the rejuvenation of aloneness. And because it was more precious living in a house with other people where we weren't really going anywhere. So makes sense. If you would have shown me the hermit, you know, in my twenties, I would have been like, oh no. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh, he's probably feeling very peaceful with all of his alone time. Definitely. Yeah. I know what you mean. I didn't accept my need for alone time. I didn't mm-hmm. like, I, I just didn't think that it was necessary. Right. Um, and I have conversations like that with people a lot, but I will tell you, Heather, I did not get in touch with my sort of mediumship and connection until the pandemic, like until we were forced to stay inside and go inward. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's um, true for a lot of people. Yes, I do too. And I have a very similar story because it was really like maybe five months before the pandemic started that I was even aware that I had any abilities whatsoever. Like I had a medium tell me that I was a medium and I was like, oh no, you must not be a very good medium because Mm -hmm. I am not a medium. I do not have any special abilities. And Mm -hmm. she's like, okay, well, we'll see about that. And so that was like, you know, the end of 2019. Yeah. So it was like, here's the information you need to know. Cause you're going to have a lot of time. To, <laughs> and then to, the universe really... was like, why don't you go hermit it up for a little bit and then get back to me about whether you're a medium. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's amazing. I'm excited to learn all about it only if you want to, but do you want to share the card that you pulled too? Cause I'm curious. Yes. So I pulled this card in anticipation of our recording and I will say, so I use the Rebecca Campbell work your light Oracle card deck for this is an Oracle card because it's just so gorgeous. And I 
generally get like the same four cards. Really? I usually turn to this deck for like a little reassurance, a little confidence boost. So the card that I got was, you're already doing it. (laughs) So stop overthinking. Keep facing your true north. I love that. So I get that one. And there are a couple of others now. I can't think of them, but yeah, you're already doing it is one that I get a lot like before mm-hmm. readings when I'm feeling a little like, is this going to be okay? Is this going to work? Am I still <laughs> connected? And then I get that card and I'm like, okay, all right, let's do this. So it's such a like spirit guide sentiment. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I definitely feel like this deck especially is just my spirit guides, like communicating directly Mm -hmm. with me Mm -hmm. for sure. Oh, so beautiful. There's just a certain flavor to those messages that are like, they're so simple and yet they're so profound. Mm -hmm. Like it's always like that sweet spot of like both. Yes. And exactly what I need in the moment. And the thing too, is like, I know that, (laughs) you know what I mean? I know I'm already doing it, but having that external validation is, it's that reassurance. I'm not making this up because especially with this work, it's like, I'm amazed every single day. I'm amazed every single time I connect with someone's loved ones with someone's guides and I'm able to share these messages. Like I'm just witnessing it kind of. So it's nice to have this confirmation. I understand because it's so easy for our brains to sort of logic themselves out of what we're experiencing. It happens so much. Yes. Overthinking is like the enemy of intuition. I know. So yeah, exactly. I agree. And so I love that, like, you got that beautiful message and it's so true, Heather. Like I have had a reading from you. I've been lucky enough to be paired with you in one of our mediumship classes. I've gotten to experience connecting with you in that way. And it was very powerful. It was beautiful. You connected with my grandmother. You gave me so much information about her personality and her spirit and just felt like I was with her. And that's what I think a good mediumship session should feel like. It should feel like that. Thank you. Yeah. I vividly remember because it was like one of the very first classes, I think that we were paired together. It was, it was early on and I was still very much like the feeling around in the dark feeling. Yes. Yeah. And to have that experience of like, cause I remember her giving you like very specific advice that yes. was very like timely. <laughs> yes. And for me, like being on the channeling side of that, like, I don't know what's going to happen and I'm just watching it unfold. You know, it's hard to describe like being sort of the facilitator for that. It's not me that's giving you, like, I didn't give you the advice. Your grandmother was giving you the advice, but to see it like land and also to be able to feel her energy and your energy and how they're like intertwined and interconnected because she's, her energy was loving being with you. And I could feel your energy, like recognizing that that was her. So it's such a gift to be able to do this and do it for other people and share those kind of messages. And we'll probably get into this, but I, you know, for a long time was like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Like, why am I here? I know I'm supposed to be a helper. I'm not sure what that looks like. I had a million paths before I got to this one. And well, maybe not a million, but very many. And it was always like, oh, maybe this is it, you know? And then it it would be for a little while and it would lead to the next thing. And so, yeah, when that medium told me that this was what I was supposed to be doing, I was like, you know, that just feels like if it's true, that would be like too good to be true, kind of, wow. you know? Like, because that's why I'm here. I'm sitting here and across from you because I need what you have the ability to give me and like, The idea of having that ability to give to other people just seemed like too wild of an idea. Yeah. It's making me think about, I've been reading a lot about like the hero's journey and like Joseph Campbell. And there's always like the point where the hero has to refuse the call. Like, no, that can't be, that can't be me. Like (laughs) that can't be right. Like that's always a part of the story where they have to like doubt themselves. Right. And then overcome that. 
I definitely checked that box for sure. Mm-hmm. What was so beautiful about that was that she offered herself as a resource after that. So I was like, okay, well, she's not just telling me this. She ended up becoming my first mentor. Like she wanted to like invest in this. Yeah. She saw that there was something there to develop. And, you know, also there was that longing for what am I here to do? Like, what is my purpose? Exactly. And there are many purposes, of course. But what's the thing that my soul resonates with? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm a mother, so that's part of my purpose. And I'm a, you know, a person trying to do good in the world. And that's part of my purpose. But I knew that there was like a piece of that missing. Definitely. Oh, awesome. Yeah. We'll talk more about mediumship and all of these things. But when you shared your dream with me, which I want to get into, it was really Mm -hmm. cool because it was a dream about your dad. And I immediately had that little rush of joy because mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to be able to connect with your dad when we met. That's right. I remember how he felt and I remember how he showed me like how he had passed. And at that time, I didn't even have enough experience to have gotten that type of information before. So like that was like a mm-hmm. big turning point for me to receive those physical sensations and for you to confirm for me, yes, mm-hmm. like this, this is correct. This is how he passed. Like I felt very connected in that moment and I still do. And so he has been showing up for you for a long time in many different ways, Yeah, but it sounds like the dream was one of those. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So just to give a little backstory, my dad passed away when I was nine unexpectedly. And when, after he died, I slept in my parents' bed with my mom for as long as she would let me, I don't, it was months and months. And I had this recurring dream that he would, I was asleep in the dream and I would feel him, I would hear him come into the room and I would feel him scoop me up and hold me kind of like you would hold like a much smaller child. You know, I was like a long nine or 10 year old and, you know, just kind of cradle me. And I, you know, it was very like visceral. Like I could feel his arms around me. I could feel like, you know, that feeling of being lifted. But then when I would wake up, I would be laying down in my you know, in the dark on his side of the bed. And that happened numerous times. And I told my mom about it. And I think she was kind of thought, well, maybe that what, you know, she would say like, well, maybe it was really him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that dream is from 35 years ago. So I just never forgot it. I can still, even just talking about it, I can feel how it felt like the being picked up and being held felt. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until I started acknowledging that I was connecting with him because I think I've been able to connect with him and hear him, but just not, you know, again, that rational brain wanting to say like, exactly. Oh, this is just your imagination. You just miss him. And I don't have any framework for this. Right. Exactly. So this can't, I mean, he's dead. So like he can't be talking to you. Those two things are not compatible. So, you know, once I was in my development of mediumship, I realized that, you know, oh, that probably was a very early mediumistic experience that I had. Exactly. Because now that I've had the experience of feeling the physical energy of people on the other side, I could recognize that that was very similar to what I felt in that dream and what I felt in other dreams where I've dreamt of him or my grandmother who passed away about nine years ago. She will come to me in dreams a lot. It's a lot of that like physical Mm. touch feeling that is like, you know, almost like an impression when I wake up, like I can still feel, and it feels just the same as it did when she was alive and I'd be hugging her in her kitchen and it's beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, I told you earlier before we were recording that, like, I am horrible at remembering really like super detailed dreams. Sometimes I won't remember anything. Sometimes I'll just remember like a few details or kind of like what the main <laughs> story of the dream. Yes. But that dream just has never left me. There's another one of which I didn't tell you about, which is my dad driving and then going into the gas station to like pay for gas and then the car driving by itself. And it crashed into a toy store at the end every time, which was great. 
But those, so those are like the two recurring dreams that I had. I think the one was more related to my need for toys at my disposal and my greatest fear that the car was going to drive by itself. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting because I think about the mind developmentally of like a nine, 10 year old. And there's something about that dream that feels like a very explicit reminder of like, yes, dad is gone, but life goes on and good things still happen. Right. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yes, there's still, there are still toys. So, oh yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. It's interesting to think about those types of encounters as being their own types of dreams. They have a very experiential quality. They tend mm-hmm. to really stick around the feeling that you're describing of him, like holding you like a baby. Like that is just such a comfort. That's probably the most comforting feeling like that we can feel primally, right. Of just like being held. Right. Yes. Just safety. Like that feeling of being like safe and protected in your your parents' arms. Wow. Yeah. And so as that nine, 10 year old who was sleeping in that bed and like desperately needed that, Mm-hmm. you were getting what you needed experientially in a dream. It's just yes. it's amazing. Yes. And, you know, I like being able to look back on it, you know, knowing kind of more and having had more medium experiences with other people's loved ones and with him, it still is like a very comforting dream to think about. Yeah. It's still kind of like a touchstone of yeah. like, this is what is possible. I don't have to be asleep to experience it. Exactly. We happen to be in a very calm, receptive state when we're asleep. Exactly. Right. But we can access that. Otherwise, we just have to train ourselves to be able to do it. Right. And for me, meditation was also a big opener for that. When I met that medium, I had just started like a mindfulness practice with like in a one for that once a week to learn like all these different ways of meditating. And so like all of those things kind of were happening at the same time when I met her, mm-hmm. but yeah, there was a convergence happening of these yes. skills that you were going to need that you were building at the same time. Yeah. Just sort of coincidentally in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I did have another similar experience while I was meditating with my grandmother, where it was like, I felt her, the weight of her body leaning up against me and the way that her hand felt. And it was as close as I could have been to being asleep. You know, I was very, very relaxed, but I wasn't asleep. I was awake. Yeah. So yeah. It's just blows my mind. And I didn't know actually I'm glad I'm learning this. I didn't know how many similarities there were between your story and the way that you sort of awakened to this and my own, because Mm -hmm. I did not awaken to these possibilities, abilities until the start of the pandemic. And that was the time when I lost my grandmother who you connected with. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I had ever communicated with someone who was in spirit. Like mm-hmm. I, I had never had the opportunity to do that before. And so my learning how to communicate with her, to look for signs, to communicate symbolically, to meditate and start to speak with her, start to feel her. That was how I began to lay that framework in my brain of what is actually possible right. that I just never could have known. Yeah. The first of all, grandmothers are like amazing for that because- <laughs> My grandmother was very, very intuitive also, and she came through in that medium reading, that life-changing one, and was basically like, I'm here to help guide you on this journey of learning this thing about yourself and developing it and growing it into something that she didn't really get the opportunity to do just because there are still people who think that doing that kind of work is like dangerous or communing with the devil or whatever. Oh yeah. You know, so she would just kind of approach things like my gut, my intuition, that's where it would be coming from. Mm -hmm. But she came through in that reading to say like, okay, I have like basically this book of knowledge about this to share with you and things will be revealed to you as you're ready to receive them. And so that's kind of how it played out. And I'm sure for you too, there were like 
these opportunities would come when you were like, okay, that's exactly what I should be doing right now. That's the information that I needed to know. That's the experience I needed to have to confirm this so that I can go deeper. So there's a lot of trust. (laughs) Yes. I know a big part of my journey has been, and this is why I love our teachers, Megan, Alisa, and Michael Mayo. Shout out. Love you guys. But (laughs) this is why I love them is that they were some of the first teachers that I happened upon who were all about dispelling that fear of the spirit world. Yes. Because I grew up with a lot of that fear. And sadly, I have also encountered mediums and teachers who perpetuate those fears. I definitely had those fears. And I think maybe, you know, for you and I, the reason why it took longer is because those fears were getting in the way. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, there's a lot I could say about that, <laughs> but that will be for a different conversation. A different um, podcast, perhaps. I know, right? No, but I completely agree. And it was so refreshing for me to meet someone who just approached the spirit world with curiosity and trust instead of trepidation. So that's been a big turning point for sure. Yeah, definitely was one of the, because I came in kind of later, I tested into the class. Oh, yes, yes. And that was one of the things that really attracted me to the two of them as teachers, especially hearing Megan talk a lot about this really love-based approach versus this fear-based approach. And, you know, by the time I was working with them and learning with them, I had had enough experiences on my own to realize that I had never had a negative or scary experience when I was channeling. I channeled parents that were abusive and they came through and were so remorseful, I guess. I I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, really like apologetic and like had seen, you know, what harm they'd caused and like still, which is difficult, but was always like coming from this loving place. And my whole life, I grew up terrified that I was going to see a ghost that me too. One of the reasons I was sleeping in my mom's bed was I wanted to keep an eye on her and make sure she didn't die. But also I was afraid that like the devil or like some scary spirits were going to come and like get me. Yeah. And, you know, cause my dad wasn't there to kind of protect yeah. us and I was, you know, still pretty young, you know, there was just a lot of that kind of talk. And we grew up with movies where there's like demons and oh yeah, the omen. I remember seeing that at slumber party and I will never, <laughs> I know my mother was like very much like never use a Ouija board. Never, never, never <laughs> use a Ouija board. Oh my God. Mine too. She still is like, don't get a Ouija board. I'm like, mom, it's mine not. Too. It's- they're called spirit boards. It's just another way to communicate. She's like, no, you're going to invite an evil spirit in. I'm like, I don't think they exist. So it's such a classic and powerful trope that has a really big hold on people. And, you know, Megan has a line that she uses a lot where she says that evil is a moral and not a metaphysical reality. Mm-hmm. And I love that. In my experience, the evil is in humanity. <laughs> And like on this planet, that's living part of humanity. And it's not, I haven't found it in the spirit world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Everything I've encountered in the spirit world has been in service of healing, Mm -hmm. learning and growing. Yes, absolutely. The things I couldn't see so clearly when I was alive, I see more clearly now. Right. Exactly. All of the sort of difficulty of being a human being, all the trauma really of being, which we all experience to some degree living in a human body, that's all sort of stripped away. And at its core is love and connection and wanting connection. Well, and this is why when we connect in mediumship, love is the tie that binds between worlds. So I'm not calling in like, because you're a fan of John Lennon. No, that's not what this is. I'm calling in a loved one because the love is that connection that can bridge that gap. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting just doing this work and like being in classes and having others read for you there. My dad shows up a lot. Yeah. I always feel like in a classroom, he's like always comes to be like the helper for whoever's reading for me. Yes. That makes sense. That makes so (laughs) much sense. 
And then, you know, it's been really interesting to see like people that I cared for and loved, but weren't super close with in life, just because I have my sister's really, really close friend who I loved her, but you know, we weren't super close, but I cared about her and she's come through. And that's because we share this connection of loving my sister. We have shared experiences. Yes. But I'm not going to get someone that never, (laughs) you know, that you never met or that you just were a fan of, if they didn't have that connection to you, it still is like a two-way street. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know, for some reason that just intuitively makes sense to me. Some of my favorite information that comes through in a reading is about just like current things that are going Mm -hmm. on. And you're like, oh my God, that's so cute that they like noticed that or that they're excited about that. And they know that I'm struggling or that they know that I'm like, yes, they're like congratulating me on this success. Like they're still part of our everyday lives. Yes. I just have to share one of my favorite of these moments where I was connecting with a classmate and she was communicating with my grandmother. And as she was giving me the different pieces of evidence, she said, she's giving me chocolate chips with a bit of a confused tone, understandably so. And I just had to laugh and probably cry because just that morning, my husband and I had made pancakes for breakfast And I decided to throw in some chocolate chips and I was telling him about how when I would go and visit my grandmother when I was a child, chocolate chip pancakes were always one of our go-to treats. And so in that moment, I was just so excited and happy that she was giving that little detail and just confirming that she's still around. You know, they're still at the family gatherings. They're still, you know, comforting us when things are difficult, like, it, that does not end. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also feeling like it's important right now to say that there's just a letting go that happens when it comes to thinking about things in such literal terms. So I've had a lot of people get confused about, well, but if they're in this other place, how can they also be here? And I understand that that's very confusing. Our brains are not meant to figure that out. But the point is that when someone is in spirit, they can transcend time and space and that no longer becomes a barrier. Right. Which, yeah, is a little mind boggling, but also really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that they can be, that my dad is with me and with each of my sisters and with my mom and with whoever loved him and needs him in the moment or is thinking about him, he's there with them. Mm -hmm. You know, my grandmother had like probably in the 40s descendants between like grandchildren, great grandchildren, great great grandchildren that she can be with all of them all over the world at the same moment. Amazing. It's incredible. And our brains just can't fathom that. And that's okay. That's where that trust comes in. Like I trust that I don't understand it fully, but I trust that is what is happening. Yeah. It's okay that I don't know how this works. I don't have to understand it. Oh, awesome. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. I have a few quick announcements to make. I'll be wrapping up season one of the podcast at the end of April. Episode 16 will be the last episode of season one. This is such a huge milestone for so many reasons. Many of you who've been following along know that learning to use my voice regularly and publicly has been an immense challenge and a profound blessing. I'll be taking the summer off to travel, reset, and brainstorm some fresh ideas for season two in September. This podcast is a labor of love and an independent operation. As I think carefully about the ways I can sustainably continue this work that I have grown to care so deeply about, I'm going to need your help. Starting in season two, I'll be transitioning my bi-weekly bonus episodes, which as of now include dream exploration exercises and guided meditations, to a subscription-based platform, likely starting out here on Anchor and later possibly transitioning to Patreon. 
Bonus content for season one will remain free to all. If you're like me, supporting independent arts is deeply meaningful and a source of pride. If you decide to become a patron of this podcast, know that you'll be helping to keep the lights on, allowing me to pay my team a fair wage, which as of now consists of just myself and my amazing editor, Misuzu Inaga, and offsetting the financial and energetic costs of making the show. If you've been to my website, you also know that a portion of any proceeds from this podcast will go towards community-based organizations that support LGBTQ youth, such as the Oasis Center here in Nashville. I'll include a poll at the end of this episode where you can tell me what you'd like to see offered at the subscriber level. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for engaging with this show. I hope it is an encouragement to you and an inspiration to take the quiet whispers of your soul seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to think if there's any other dream stuff. I was actually going to ask you about one thing. Just, I'm totally just curious if anything comes up great. If not, that's okay too. But you mentioned something I hear all the time and I wanted to get your take. You said that you sometimes have dreams and this kind of goes with our time space conversation. Mm -hmm. You sometimes have dreams where you're in like a house or a place that you recognize, but that you've never been to in real life, but that you keep going to in a dream. And I'm curious, what do you make of that? Yeah. I'm. What do you think that is? You know, when I was typing that out to send to you, I was thinking it's something that I don't even know that I like with your questions really makes you think about these things. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe this is someplace that my spirit knows that my human body does not know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times in those dreams, I'm looking for something and I don't know what it is. Interesting. Just going through and I'm like, okay, wait, I need to get to the living room and I know how to get there, but I've never been there. And there are a couple of places that I have return to in dreams. And it's the same kind of thing where it's not a place I've ever been in my human life, but I go there in my dreams. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really do think that that's like a memory. That's just a spirit memory and not like this human brain's memory. I know what you mean. I obviously, we don't know, we don't have proof, but I agree. I think that there is something to be said for sort of the idea of like astral travel and that my spirit mm-hmm. has access to other places and that while I'm asleep is a good convenient time to do that. Right. To, to just take a little vacay from the body. <laughs> take a little trip. Yeah. One of my best friends just had a baby and she keeps dreaming about this like fabulous, like candy shop, like in the mountains in this like miraculous land. And I'm like, girl, go hang out there. Like you are tied to a baby 24 seven, like let your dreams, let you have a little magical adventure. Like that's fabulous. If you're able to sleep for a long enough stretch to dream 100, go big. do it. Get all the candy. I hear stories a lot about people going to the same place and being like, I know it so well, but I don't. And I'm like, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. But I also hear people talk about these kind of in-between places that are very specific. One is a circular mall complex that has this certain layout. And so many people talk about it. And I go there in my dreams often. It's this circular mall place and there's lots of people. And I'm usually looking for a certain place or a certain floor. Oh my gosh. I totally have that dream. Do you? Yes. Girl. I just like got a visual. (laughs) Girl. Where I'll be sometimes walking around outside in the parking lot. It's an indoor outdoor. And so that parking lot's outside and I'm walking around and I'm trying to remember which entrance I need to go in to get to wherever it is that I need to go, which I don't even know if I know that like in the moment, but then I get in and 
it's a mall that I've never been. Yes. You know what I mean? I've never, it's not a mall that exists in, at least in my experience. And I'll be like, oh, I came in and I'll know, oh, this isn't the right entrance when I go in. And I know that I have to like walk and walk and walk and walk around to get to where I need to go. But I don't think I ever get there. Like, I think I always wake up. Same. Yeah. It's so fascinating. (laughs) It's so fascinating. Like what, why are we all going to this same little like in between place? And like, where are we trying to get like, what? It's amazing. Right. And what it's not that I'm necessarily there to make a purchase. No, it just like happens to be a mall. Why? (laughs) Yes. Yes. That just totally, I'm seeing all of it now. It's nuts. There'll be an elevator and I'm like, well, maybe I should get on the elevator. And, but I don't, I still don't know where I'm going. Oh my God. Okay. Listeners, if you have this same dream, please (laughs) write us a note. Tell us what you're doing, what's happening. We need more information. This is crazy. Just you mentioning that immediately like a flash in my mind that. Like what wait, it wait looked a like when I walked in. Oh my God. I love it. Okay. More to come on the crazy circular mall <laughs> complex dreams. Heather, let's talk more about mediumship and your work. I know people are going to be fascinated. So give me kind of the rundown, Heather, about like, how do you get messages? Like, what are your sort of like primary clairs? Like, what do you tend to notice first? Like, how does it come through for you? Sure. The primary thing that happens when I set the intention to connect, and I'm even kind of feeling it just like with us talking. Cool. And I generally like will feel like a sort of a lower key version of it's feeling the energy, like feeling sort of like it's almost like an atmospheric shift kind of. For me, it feels very much like someone put like a weighted invisible blanket over my head. Yeah. I've described it the exact same way, Heather, a weighted blanket. Mm, It's just been gently placed on me. It's not jarring. And I think that I felt that like a lot in my life and thought like, oh my gosh, my blood sugar is so low. I need to eat a banana or something. That's funny noticing that like physical change in my body and then realizing like, okay, well I did eat, like I'm not over caffeinated. I'm not, sometimes it would feel like more chaotic maybe, but I think once I started like doing it on purpose, it was much more gentle feeling. Yeah. And then for me, I would say my strongest Claire is clear cognizance. So clear knowing. And I think maybe that's another reason why it took me longer to get here. Yes. Because I just thought it was like really good at knowing stuff. (laughs) You know, like I agree. I have always been a person that has given really great advice. And I just thought that was like a natural part of myself, which I, you know, I will take some credit, but I definitely was getting a lot of help. And so I think because I wasn't seeing things or like, yeah, audiently hearing things, I just thought that was like, I was just an intuitive person. I get it. But I also, you know, when I was younger and before I kind of knew what any of this was, I had this thing I called the voice. And I would tell my friends, like, we all have it. We all have the voice. Like everybody has the voice and the voice just never, you know, is your intuition. It never steers you wrong. Like it will always keep you safe. If you listen to it, you know, it will never shame you. It will never make you do something that will harm you. Again, it's all love. Right. It's all love. It's all like for your highest good. You know, an example of that is like, before I met my husband and I would be dating, I would, the voice would be like, you know, he's nice, but like, he's not it. Have your fun, (laughs) but like, you're going to break up. Like it's, that's what's going to happen. And then I could choose to listen or not and, you know, face whatever consequences came of that. And when I met my husband, I remember saying, okay, like voice, what do you got for me? Mm-hmm. Voice is like, I'm good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> that was 20 years ago. So, you know, that's so cute. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah we're everything's right here. If there's no drama, it's just like very matter of fact. Yeah. And it's always there to keep you safe and keep you on your path. You know, you may deviate from the path, but it will always, you know, help to kind of bring you back. Now I realize, like, okay, that was my spirit guide 
probably, or my guides, plural, you know? So yeah, that clear cognizance for me, that knowing, I feel like I relied on that voice a lot. And then, you know, especially when I started developing, then I could kind of call it in at will as opposed to like waiting for it to chime in. So, I mean, I do, you know, with development, I feel like I can see things more. I definitely don't, it's very unusual for me to hear something outside of myself. Like I'll hear things interiorly, like just in a no voice, that makes sense. But occasionally I've heard my grandmother like say something in my ear when I'm about to fall asleep. Me too. (laughs) That's the only time I've heard things out loud. Yeah. Yes. Where it's almost like it's loud. Like it like unrelaxes me in a way. I know. It's like, whoa, okay. Okay. All right. I heard you. I'll call him tomorrow. She'll say like pop, which is my, what we call my grandfather. You probably experienced this with my dad, like feeling like the heart clench, like the tightness in the chest. I've had experiences where, you know, with a client whose mom had, oh gosh, I can't remember, but something about it, like her illness, which she eventually passed from, made it very difficult for her to swallow and for her to breathe. And I felt like I was having an anaphylactic reaction. But as soon as I named it and said, okay, this is what I'm feeling in my body, then it went away. I remember your dad gave me the chest feeling and he gave me like a bump on the head. Yeah, because he fell on the ground after, like as a result of having a heart attack. Yes. Yeah. And that comes, you know, it's not with every single reading. I don't get that every single time. Sometimes they'll tell me with words. Sometimes they'll tell me with feeling it in my body. And I've tasted things. I felt like I was being hugged. I felt like, you know, my hands were being held or my hair is being stroked, which if you, you know, obviously like if you're not, if you don't know what that is, that could be scary. And I think that those kind of experiences are maybe why some people do find fear in those experiences because they don't understand them. Exactly. If you frame it in a different way of like, oh, that's a hug. That's a, you know, that's someone like lovingly, that's a loving touch, not like a a scary kind of thing. I had a, I had a client who passed away very suddenly and it was such a traumatic, horrific thing. And I was also afraid of him because of the way that he died and the way that things went down. And like I had judgments and I had fears and I was scared. And I remember after he died, I was having like visions of his face smiling. Mm -hmm. And because I was scared, I was reading that in like a bad, scary way, like leave me alone. And then I had my life-changing experience with a medium, which was coincidental, by the way, like I had a meeting with her set up from before this person passed away mm-hmm. because I had had a couple of experiences that I didn't know what to make of in my therapy room where I would feel a very strong energy on my left side. Like someone mm-hmm. was doing this. I'm waving my hand next to my head, like air, like right. energy while a client was talking about a loved one who had passed. And I was like, what is this? Right. What? They're like, hi, I'm right here. Yeah. I'm right here. Yes. <laughs> And so I had a meeting already set up with a medium. And so this happened with my client. It was a horrible time. I'm sitting down with her. I'm talking through my experiences. And she's like, there's a young man here and he wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I have chills now because me too. <laughs> I can feel him. And mm-hmm. she gives me all this, you know, confidential information about my right. client that, that I was not legally allowed to tell anyone. So no one right. could know. No one knew. And she gets all the specifics exactly correct. And she shares with me that he's been smiling at me. He's trying to show me that he's okay on the other side. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. And I don't have to be scared and I don't have to feel bad. And this happened the way it was supposed to. And he, it's okay. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. It was completely life changing. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that's so great for your medium and that I've been able to experience is being the medium saying to the person sitting across from me, you don't need me because you are able to do this. Exactly. Getting that message and being able to share that message and having the person across the screen or the room for me say like, you know, I've been wondering about that or like, that's really confirming what's been happening for me or yes me saying, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) if That's for me. You know, maybe you're getting it wrong. Yeah. That you can communicate 
and that you can trust yourself to be able to do that. It's Mm -hmm. like, I think that we all can do that. And, you know, Megan and Michael talk about this a lot, that it's just something that you hone and you build over time if you want to. Right. Right. And not everyone who has these abilities, you know, even in the class that we were in, there are many people who are just adore connecting and they want to do it. And it's not, they, it's not going to be their job. They're not exactly. They just want to, you know, have that, be able to have that connection because, you know, not only are we connecting with our loved ones, we're connecting other people with their loved ones. We're connecting them with their guides. We're connecting, but that's all again, this evidence of our interconnectedness. Yes. Yes. Heather. I mean, that's what I'm here for. Me too. I'm definitely here for the healing for myself and for the people that what I'm able to do provides them, but it's being reminded with every connection that we are all connected. I agree. It has completely changed my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And a big patience along with that too. When you realize that you're able to do this, like, well, okay, I just want to like know everything there is to know instantly and like be amazing at it instantly. And that's not how it works. That's right. It is an unfoldment. There's so much more to learn. And this is just like the beginning of, you know, what I'm going to learn and be capable of doing. So yes, the sense that I'm getting, and I'm still very new to all of this, relatively new, but I would say that I am sort of relearning what it means to be patient. Like, Mm -hmm. That has been like the biggest thing for me is that I've always been like a rusher and achiever. Let's go. Like, let's get to the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, definitely for me, (laughs) my whole life up until three years ago was pre-living in my head every single possible scenario that could happen. Oh my God. So that I can always be prepared and never be caught off guard. And my wonderful therapist was like, you need to come and live now, like here in this moment. And so she was the one who recommended that I, I did like this very clinical meditation class. What is it? Mindfulness-based stress. Oh yeah. This is like an evidence-based sort of model. Yes. You know, it's taught by a licensed counselor or like social worker licensed clinical social worker. And so, you know, there were no crystals, like there was, you know, it was not, it, that was not the vibe. It was just like me and some older people and some younger people, a doctor, you know, just normal everyday people who had stress, who their doctor or therapist said, you know, maybe this will help. And it was just an eight week course. And it totally was the opening for me because in so many ways. I mean, definitely into my mediumship, but also that training myself how to pull myself back to the moment when I, because generally pre-living causes a lot of anxiety. It is anxiety. (laughs) It's just, you know, and that served me for a really long time. It's trying to seek safety. It served me really well for many, many years because I would just pre-live everything. And they'd be like, got it. Okay. I'm ready for anything. Nothing will, no surprises. Yeah. Everyone get a mindfulness practice. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like no matter who you are, it is one of the most healing and loving things that you could possibly do for yourself and for your mental health. And, you know, I think for me coming into it, I was very, again, like I wanted to do it perfect. I wanted to do it right. Be good at it. I wanted to be really good. I wanted to be the star meditator in my class. And the truth is there's no perfect and there's no right with meditation or, you know, there's no perfect with anything, but that, like that permission, like you're not going to have no thoughts. Like that's not the point here. It is the noticing, the noticing and like that training of the noticing. And then, you know, when you're practicing mediumship, the noticing is everything because the noticing is how you notice. And then you share whatever your noticing is. And then the next thing comes and the next thing and the next thing. It's also how we learn to feel our feelings. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then be overwhelmed by them because we're only taking them one moment at a time. That's right. You don't have to pre-live all the way your ways you're going to feel. Nope. You just have to feel how you feel now and now and now now because <laughs> <laughs> it changes. Right. There's nothing is permanent. Yeah. Especially in humanity, like in being. If I don't feed it, it just moves on. Right. If I just notice it and allow it, it's not about stopping it. Nope. It's just about noticing it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like with mediumship development, it's something that I will have to commit to and work on every single day of my life. The end is when I leave this earthly plane and then, yeah. And then that's another transition. Like Right, exactly. And I'm not going to try and pre-live my death. <laughs> Exactly. I'm not going to try and pre-live my afterlife. I look forward to finding all of that out someday, but like I'm here in this moment now. Mm. Yes. Which can be such a beautiful place. Yes. Not that, you know, I don't have daydreams and think about the future and like, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't do that. It's just not living in that place. That's right. What I think I did a lot of before I had that tool. It's a good distinction. Yes. Yeah. I'll even say to myself, like, I just want to think about like something wonderful that could happen. You know, I mean, that's part of like, you still plan, you still make plans and you still get excited for things, but it's not about trying to manage all of us. Good word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exhausting. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, okay. Well, Heather, we're coming to the end of time, but you are just such a delight. I love spending time with you. Your energy is so warm, so loving. It's great. Thank you. I'm so grateful. It's so funny. I don't know if we mentioned this, but when you asked me to be on the podcast, yes. speaking of like kind of putting something out there and thinking about like, oh, wouldn't this be nice? I thought literally within a few minutes of you messaging me, really love to be on someone's podcast. (laughs) I wonder, oh, Jordan has a podcast. Oh, this person has a podcast. I'd really like that. And then literally opened my messages and there was a message from you. Amazing. So, you know, meant to be. Yeah. Think your thoughts, (laughs) put it out there. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. No, I love that it aligned so perfectly and I'm excited for all of your endeavors. Please give us a quick rundown for the listeners about how they can engage with your work, how they can find you. This is the plug portion. Okay. So I do offer evidential psychic media and mediumship readings over Zoom or in person if you're in Pittsburgh and you can book with me on my website, which is heatherviznesky.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at heatherviznesky.pgh. And that's it. Okay. Well, yes, Heather, thank you so much. I am so excited to keep this relationship going. I just really- Yes, me too. I'm so glad to know you. You're just, oh, you're one of those people where I spend time with you and I'm like, I want more. That was so nice. I feel the same way. When we very first connected in class, I knew that I was going to get you as my partner. And I was like, so excited when your face came on the screen. And I was like, yes, just there's, again, maybe we knew each other before. We're just like, I recognize you. I know you. Tell me all your new stories. There is a familiarity. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Where I'm just like, oh, you already know all of my stuff. So let me just give you an update on what's been going on. (laughs) Just the the little cliff notes, you know, (laughs) that is hilarious. I feel the same way. I love that. You're a delight and an inspiration. And I hope that the listeners can follow along and see what you're going to be doing next. So thank you so much. We should all want to be seeing what you're doing next. And with this, so such a great concept and it makes me want to remember my dreams more now. You can do it. I tell everyone, I'm like, it just takes practice like anything else, right? I I think I need to do like, say it into. Yes, that's what I do. Like by the time I'm awake enough to operate a pen, I think it's gone. It's like very quick. I think I need to literally mumble. (laughs) Oh my God. You just took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, I just mumble it into my phone. Perfect. I get up, I go make my tea and I just like mumble. Oh yeah. It was this, this, this. (laughs) 
And I'm excited to hear all these listeners circular mall stories. Me too. We will see what comes up. We're going to have to schedule a meetup. I know at the mall. No, just kidding. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. That's a wrap for this episode. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment now to subscribe, rate, and review us on your podcast app of choice. It really makes a difference and helps other people find the show. Thank you again to my guest, Heather Wisniewski. Your warmth and compassion are palpable and totally contagious. I hope I continue to know you through many lives. Do you have questions or a dream you want to share? Please drop me an email at psychemagicpodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave me a voicemail via the link in show notes. I'd love to hear from you and you could be featured on a future episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at psyche underscore magic. Check out my psyche magic playlist on Spotify. The link is in show notes. Psyche Magic was produced and recorded by me, Jordan Hale. Editing for this episode is by Misuzu Inaga. Our theme music is by Young Summer. Artwork is by Annika Murphy. Special thanks go to Daniel Higby. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website, www.psychemagicpodcast.com. Psyche Magic is available via Anchor across all podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you with a question. If you must sleep through a third of your life, are you willing to sleep through your dreams too? Get your dream journals out, y'all. Until next time. <laughs>